The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to The B-Side for episode 1635 of our national conversation about conversations about race. Hold empathy for Nate Parker. I'm Anna Holmes and I'm here at the Panoply Studios in Brooklyn with Jamil Smith, Senior National Correspondent for MTV News. Hi, Jamil. Hello. And Tanner Colby. Hi, Tanner. Hello, Anna. On our last episode, we discussed Georgetown University and the initial steps it's taking to address its role in the institution of and profit from slavery. We also talked about the controversy surrounding film director Nate Parker and allegations of sexual assault, and we invited you to weigh in. So, here's our producer, A.C. Valdez, with some of what you all had to say. Hey, Anna. So, uh, we got a bazillion responses uh, to the Nate Parker stuff, and I can't Mm -hmm. get to all of them. Okay. I'm going to read a few kind of quickly. This one is from Rain. Have to say I'm disappointed, but sadly not surprised that the men on this show found dozens of eloquent excuses and explanations ad nauseum to see Birth of a Nation. So if Parker passed around your sister slash daughter and it broke her and she killed herself, you'd still go to the movie? Really? I wanted to go before I found out, but now I can't look at Parker's face without thinking about what he did, and his slack pity me bullshit was I was young nonsense. This should kill his career, because who's going to cast him? Unless it's a role he knows well, fake sorry rapist, only sorry he got caught. The fact that his homie co-wrote the script is further proof of Parker's obtuse thinking they did nothing wrong. How else could he remain in touch with a man like that, being the father of five girls? Disgusted, Rain. P.S., not going to watch Bill Cosby ever again. Hmm. On the flip side of that, we got this note from Dudley. I just think that a man who has been acquitted of charges shouldn't be seen as guilty, especially when you have certain people who can't see without biased opinion about a subject. This film won't get the recognition because of backlash by the media, and it's not like Hollywood has a lot of black producers and writers. Black people have enough problems with supporting each other, while white people always support each other, even if they are a bad person. None of us is perfect, and we always judge others, as if we never made a bad decision. I hope this brother continues his career and is very successful. So, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I seem to recall that Anna also I did made a justification for seeing the movie. I didn't. I wouldn't say I made a justification. You I just said, said I, I said I was going to see it. Right. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that it's justified at all. But right, I, it may yeah. not be. Mm-hmm. Did I yeah. say that I was going to see it or not? I don't, I don't know that you said it definitively, I see, but I don't think you said had seemed to have any problem with the idea of going and seeing it. I, I, I said that, you know, people have to make their own moral decisions about it, about what, you know, they talk. It was, it was interesting thinking to me about all the cases that get thrown in together is that they all present really different moral conundra, right? You have Bill Cosby, who, do we still need to say allegedly? I think so. Allegedly is basically a serial, lifelong, unapologetic, unapologetic predator, right? right? Which is presents a different moral case from someone who committed a crime, may or may not have committed a crime, clearly was engaged in some kind of wrongdoing when he was in college, and may or may not be in the process of coming to some sort of redemption that is worthy of forgiveness. We don't know yet. It's too, I think it's too soon to tell on Nate Parker. Roman Polanski, you have a guy who pled guilty and served 42 days in prison. The reason he became a fugitive, which is why people think he got away with it, uh, is because his his case just went sideways and there was a judge that was grandstanding and trying to make an example of him and trying to revoke his plea deal and, and lots of other things. But so Polanski pled guilty and did serve some time. 42 days isn't very long for rape, but, you know, so that's different from 
but <laughs> no, but I'm saying he's 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 admitted his guilt as opposed to a question of an allegation that we don't know, right? Polanski has admitted guilt. Then you have David Bowie, who had sex with a 15, 14, 15 year old girl who was a groupie, who she claims that it was consensual, but then that raises questions of can a 15 year old even consent to sex with a 35 year old rock star? And it hasn't injured his career at all. And then with Woody Allen. What? And nothing. I was about to say he's dead, but no, okay. No, but I'm saying the allegations were there while he was yeah. alive and mm-hmm. no one no one batted an eye, right? And then with Woody Allen, you have the Sun Yi thing, which is creepy enough on its own for a lot of people to, so, to disown him, but not illegal. And then you have the Dylan Farrow allegation, which right. remains a contested allegation, which is different from someone who's pled not guilty or someone where, with, with Bill Cosby where we have a preponderance of evidence that we can basically, you know, say we don't know. So all of those cases fall in different ranges of how do you address them? Bill Cosby, I'll never see a damn thing he does again, right? Mm-hmm. Nate Parker, I'm wondering, is he worthy of redemption? Even though he's clearly guilty of something, whether or not criminally guilty, but mm-hmm. what, whatever transgression was committed, is he someone worthy of redemption and forgiveness? I don't know. I mean, this is not something I feel like I should proclaim for everybody else. Right. For me, it's a personal decision. I've made it a personal decision not to financially support the movie. It's the same decision I made when Straight Outta Compton came out and I realized that they did not include the scene in which Dr. Dre beat D. Barnes, you know, halfway to death in, mm-hmm. a, in a club. That they chose to excise that group's misogyny from their their heroic narrative in this film is the reason I decided not to support it. Now, will I watch it on HBO? Maybe. I'll check it out. But I don't want to financially support it. You know, they do get money from that. They've made a licensing deal with HBO and they get money. Well, I, I mean, I subscribe to HBO. I'm not going to, because they choose to air movies that yeah. offend me. I'm saying that I, I don't pay a money. I don't pay a fee every time I choose to, to watch it when it's on or if I DVR it. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a director transaction. It doesn't feel like, but you know, HBO watches their internal numbers. And if more people of a lot of people are watching straight out of Compton, then they re-up it and give them another licensing fee for another term. Or they say, oh, this isn't delivering, cut it, don't pay another fee. Well, I haven't watched it yet, so maybe that's reason for me not to do it. Moving on to the next question. We got this from Sophie, which is also a Nate Parker thing. I wonder how Gabrielle Union can make peace with this situation. The two scriptwriters who were formerly accused of gang rape injected a gang rape scene into their film and hired a vocal active survivor of a violent sexual assault to portray this rape victim. How does she feel when she remembers filming this scene? Nate giving her direction on how to move, reshoot close-ups of her struggling, encouraging her as she acts out this scene silent since her character never speaks. As a survivor, I wonder what went through Nate and his friend slash co-defendant's mind when they wrote this rape scene. Do they have that much hatred over what they endured by the allegations they thought, fuck this, this is what rape looks like? The lengths to which they erased or suppressed their past with zero thought on their accuser or even their cast, has irreparably tarnished this film for me. One of the big problems that that I had and have was the ease with which he admittedly, Nate Parker, didn't think about this after it happened. I mean, he said he hadn't thought about this woman in 17 years. And and that that was upsetting to me, along with the initial allegations. I can't say that's tarnished the film for me because I haven't seen the film. It will certainly be in the forefront of my mind when I do watch it. Right. And there's some there seems like something interesting there about the filming of a rape scene and whether it's, you know, in subconsciously or consciously a a reaction to the commission of a rape. From what I understand, the scene is very violent, physically violent. 
and the victim in the scene is is conscious and cognizant of what's going on. My understanding of what Nate and his now co-writer did was that they 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 assaulted a passed out woman. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I, I guess I, I'm saying I don't know that I'd read too much into like how they right. choreographed a rape scene that I haven't seen <laughs> and how that how that fits into his in, into his past. That that might be looking a little too hard at things. And also Gabrielle Union published an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times on September 2nd that outlined exactly how she feels about this and her conflicted perspective on this as a survivor herself. And one of the most, I guess, one of the most interesting things about it, I felt, was how she didn't come out trying to justify what Parker did. Um, Mm -hmm. She made it very clear that she was uncomfortable with the allegations and uh, that she couldn't take them lightly. So I advise people to go take a look at that if they want to understand what, uh, I didn't, what Gabrielle feels. I didn't like that op-ed. And I said this last week, the reason I didn't like it was because at the end I felt like she was, she had pivoted into like marketing mode and she was saying, you know, hopefully this film can help raise awareness about sexual assault on campus. And I'm like, what, what does this film have to do with sexual assault on campus? Other right. than the fact that its director has been accused of it. So there was, there, there was something in the, in the language that she used towards the end that also I heard Nate Parker use in an interview that he did, and I thought, oh, this is some kind of coordinated Talking effort. Yeah, yeah, didn't didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's fair. All right, uh, so last letter we got uh, is from Ronald, and this has to do with our Georgetown discussion. W- what piqued my interest in the last episode the most was the Georgetown section and its references to reparations. I'm not really aware of where to look to understand the different approaches to achieving reparations for slavery, so I will be researching, but it would be interested to hear what ideas you all have on the issue, How could it work? Who deserves it? Is it already an idea that any of you think could function? First thing that he recommended that he was able to find in Googling was a site called reparations.me, reparations.me. Thanks for doing this, Ronald. Any any recommendations on reparations stuff? I'll speak specifically to the Georgetown situation, which their remedy for what it had happened in the past, uh, the, you know, the sale of 272 slaves in order to help fund the university and other, um, and other sins, associated sins. I think what they've done is, is good, but it is not nearly enough. And what they've done is basically amount to, amounts to making those 272 slaves graduates of the university so that any descendants have legacy, which is an odd step, I think. I think it, you know, preference for admission is one thing, but what are they going to do when they get there? I don't know if those descendants are poor or rich, whether they can afford a Georgetown education or not. But one would think that there should be some kind of financial remuneration either to those families or to, you know, some sort of, you know, charity that deals with illuminating slavery. Um, you know, putting an institute of slavery at your university is great. All good things, but there's just a lot missing there. And, I think, frankly, they should continue, uh, students should continue to pressure the university to do more. I concur. There you go. Okay. Okay, that's it for this B-Side. Listeners, keep sending your emails and please your voice memos. Our email address is showaboutrace at gmail.com. Thanks, and stay tuned for this week's episode dropping shortly. 